You're listening to the Sunday podcast from Life Point Church in Santan Valley, Arizona. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. For more information, visit us online at lifepointaz.com. So as it turns out, God would uh, have us in Daniel 4 on this Sunday, and uh, un- uh, unbelievably ties in very, very well with where we're at, because I thought about changing, or do I do a different? And God said, no, just reread Daniel. This is exactly what you need to preach. So if you remember, we're on uh, Daniel chapter 4. We've done 1 through 3, and Nebuchadnezzar started out with his dream. He's the king of Babylon. Babylon is a massive, massive city, one of the largest cities ever in the world, and he is the king of it. He's the big dog. He has this dream and wants his wise people to interpret it. They can't, and he wants them not just to interpret it, but tell him the dream, then interpret it. Daniel does, and he worships Daniel, right? He says, oh my gosh, give him everything he wants. This guy's amazing. Daniel says, don't worship me. Worship the God who gave me this revelation. Then we see Daniel's buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they will not bow down to the image that has been made in Babylon there and worship it, so they get thrown into the fire. Nebuchadnezzar sees that they are not burned, the hair on their head is not singed, their clothes do not smell like smoke, and he says, praise be to their God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everyone will now worship that God as well as your own gods, or you'll be torn limb from limb. And now we get to Daniel in chapter 4, and we are going to see how God humbles a proudful man or a proudful nation. And what I want you to see here today that I couldn't have made this up if I wanted to, how, how, how accurately this story ties in with where we are now and what God is doing. Two months ago, two, and a, two months ago, during our fasting and prayer series, when we just started off, I said, what would it take to get you to not come to church? I don't know if you remember this. I said, because we were talking about fellowship and we were talking about pain and suffering. I said, in America, you know, we have such comfortable lives. And I said, what would it take? Would it take imprisonment? Would it take a fine? Would it take you'd get fired from your job? What would it take for you to stop showing up and publicly gathering? And for the most part, the consensus was nothing. We'll continue to do it. Well, okay, so here we are two months later, and what it took is a, uh, a virus. And there are hundreds of thousands not at church today because churches have shut their doors. Now, I'm not, I'm honestly not against any of those churches that have did that. I get that they did it, and hopefully they sought God on it. But it is sort of fascinating that the one place that the world is going to come on a Sunday when there is a massive worldwide crisis going on, we closed our doors so our people can stay safe. I don't know. Again, wisdom Wisdom and precaution. There is a time for wisdom. There is a time for precaution. I just don't think we're there yet. I think we're still in the phase that says we should be planning, we should be loving, and we should be asking the Lord what we are to do in the midst of this. So, Nebuchadnezzar, let's see this dream. King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth. And that's not just him saying it. He was literally sending this out to every nation and person who lived in the earth because pretty much all of them were under his command. May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. This is a decree, this is a letter right, out to the whole entire world. You must see what the Most High God has done for me. You must know how wonderful he is, 
His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, content and prosperous, and I had a dream that made me afraid. I was lying in bed. The images and visions that passed through my mind, they terrified me. So I commanded all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. And when the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel, ah, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is the one called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So let's just stop there for a second. King Nebuchadnezzar is setting up what's about to happen to him. And I want you to focus on something here, is that he has zero worries in his life. He is in the prime of his life. He is healthy. He has all the relationships and friends he could want. There is not an army that can come against him because he owns all the armies. He doesn't even fear an uprising in his own ranks against him. He says, I am in my palace, prosperous and contented. Everything is wonderful. Everything is great. And then I had a dream, and I was afraid. Now, I can understand you have a dream, and it was a scary dream. We call those nightmares. And you wake up, and you're scared, and then you go, oh, it was just a dream. But Nebuchadnezzar had a dream so fearful that caused him so much fear inside that all of his prosperous contentment was no longer fulfilling his mind. Now he was just full of fear. Now he was full of fear. And he had to know why he was full of fear. And what I want you to understand here this morning as we go through the rest of this and why it links so closely to what you're seeing out there right now, and maybe we've been a part of it ourselves, is... Fear is not the root. Fear is the fruit that is born out of a root of pride. You see, what pride says is I am owed something. I am owed forgiveness. I am owed respect. I am owed love. I am owed worship. I am owed comfort. I am owed health. Right? That's pride. This is mine. I'm owed it. Right, if I were to do a painting on the wall and show it up there and someone else were to come and take credit for it, maybe you would get what? Prideful. You'd be angry. You'd be like, no, that's not yours. I did that. Pride says I'm owed something. And what happens is when I'm no longer in control and when the thing that I am owed is no longer being given to me, it gives birth to fear. Because what fear is, fear says I may not get to have that thing anymore. Comfort, health, money, friends, Whatever. Fear is not having the thing that I love the most. That's why we fear losing our kids. We fear losing our spouse. We fear losing people that we love because they're on the highest level of our love. They're the ones we love the most. And then from down from there, we love our jobs. We love our appearance. We love our health. We love all sorts of things, right? Hobbies, whatever. And then we fear losing them because they are where we find our identity. They, they are ours. We're owed those things. So that's fear. So here's Nebuchadnezzar, a man who literally has everything. There is nothing you could give him that he does not already own. And he's full of fear because this dream has, has shown him 
that the thing he loves the most, his power and his kingdom, is going to be taken from him. I think what I see in the world this last week is we tried to start and use reason and logic as this thing happened, and the more fear that was pumped in either through media or social media, the more we let go of logic and the more we grabbed on to fear. I'm going to lose the things I love, like toilet paper. <laughs> and that's not even a, a false fear. You've lost it, friends. It's gone. If you don't have it, you got to buy bidets on Amazon or something. I don't know. Fear. It says, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose my health. I'm going to lose the comforts of my home. I'm going to lose things. And what was once a prosperous and contented people in Santan Valley are now full of fear. So let's see what happens to our friend Nebuchadnezzar. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods, he still calls them the holy gods, is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. So here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and therefore, there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, or an angel, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip it of its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and the roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground." in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers of the holy ones. Declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, or Daniel, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Poor Daniel. <laughs> Nobody likes the messenger, right? Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. That basically means, oh boy, I know what the message, I know what the dream's about, and you're not going to like it, and I've seen what you do to people who tell you things you don't like. You rip them from arm to arm and kill their families. My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies... I wish this was for your enemies, king, but this is for you. It's for you. The tree is you, which grew large and strong, and its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter 
Verse 22, your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty, you saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty. This is the decree from the Most High that he has issued against you, my king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You, Nebuchadnezzar, will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by. Seven times, by the way, is either seven months or seven seasons. So different theologians will tell you either seven months or seven seasons, which is like a little over a year and a half. The command, uh, where was I? Oxen. Seven times will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdom on heaven and that he gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you, get this, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice, renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, it may be that your prosperity will then continue. King, you had a right to be afraid, and you had a right to have your peace uh, torn apart a little bit because that dream is about you, and not just a God, not just one of the gods, but the God has given you this dream to tell you that if you don't change your ways, you are going to be the one living amongst the animals. At the beginning of the year as well, I read an email from Pastor David that he had sent out about a vision and a dream that he had had the night after Christmas. Do you remember this? And in it, he talked about um, this dream, and he said that the tone of the dream was incredibly hopeful, but was also a warning. And what it was was essentially that there was a time coming in America in 2021 when there will be all sorts of, uh, there will be an uprooting of America. Right? And you're like, well, that's not very hopeful. But it said, before that time comes, there will be a chance for my people to humble themselves. If they do not humble themselves, here are all the things that I can see happening. And he names all the things out. And then he said, but again, I remind you, it was not, I was not full of fear. I was full of hope. What God was showing me is there is going to be a season where, where we talk about bringing the harvest in of souls and people who, get, who finally have their blind eyes cured and they see Christ, and that, that time is coming. It is coming, but if you're not prepared for it, you're going to get swept up in the fear and the, and the chaff when it gets thrown out. And I couldn't help but think this weekend, as I'm seeing all of this happen and I'm seeing fear in the Christian community spread wildly, how much this isn't similar to what he was saying, that we would have a chance to humble ourselves. You see, I don't know if Nebuchadnezzar, actually I know Nebuchadnezzar did not think of it at the time, but what God was doing was showing and extending immense grace to him. He was showing so much mercy and kindness. He was we talk about Jesus being nice, but he was showing so much mercy to Nebuchadnezzar because what he should have done is strike him dead. 
and cast him away from his presence and let his soul spend eternal darkness for the things that he did on this earth. That's what should have happened to King Nebuchadnezzar for leading hundreds of thousands of people away from him, for sending millions to their graves as he overtook the world. And God comes to a man like that and says, I'm going to give you a chance. You didn't listen to my prophet Daniel. You weren't paying attention when my son Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked with my son Jesus in the fire. So I'm going to give you one more chance, Nebuchadnezzar. Think about that. I'm going to humble you, Nebuchadnezzar. And in that humbling, it will be the greatest gift you ever received. All this happened to the king Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later. As the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is this not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my... Like, that's how it happened. Read the scripture. Like, he dropped to the ground immediately. He began to think and act like an ox. Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. And seven times will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and that he will give them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what was said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people. He ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers and his nails like claws. King Nebuchadnezzar had a mental break from reality. I believe it was physiological. I believe there was a chemical. There was a mental break. He went, there was a psychosis. He went insane. Right? Sometimes we think it's like the movies where he magically turned into a llama or an ox. No, he went insane, just like we have people today. We have chemical imbalances, we have events in life, we have things that happen, and we have a break from our sanity. His was prescribed specifically to him by the Lord. But then I had this thought. What if, like the depression and anxiety that I've been experiencing over the last few years, what if that was a gift from God? I mean, I've hated it. I've asked him to take it. I've, I've, I've wanted, I don't want the pills. I don't want anything. I just want to be normal again. I want my brain to work right again. I hate that I have to have this to help me think straight. But what if that was God's grace to me? Because in the midst of being here and being a senior pastor and seeing the church grow as quickly as it did, I began to get proudful. And one day, what if I would have stood on the roof of Life Point and said, look at this kingdom I have built. Maybe it wouldn't have been so exaggerated, but it's not far off to think that arrogance and pride would have taken over. And God said, you know what? I love you too much to let that happen, so I'm going to humble you. See, I believe God loves this country. He loves America. He established it. It's established in his name. And I was beyond thrilled to wake up yesterday morning and see the president of our country declare a national day of prayer. And we're going to do that. We're going to close with that together, all in praying. But just like David's letter and just like what we see here in Daniel, I believe the Lord is saying, 
I'm giving you a chance to humble yourself before me. You have an opportunity here. Because there is a time coming when, when this virus will seem, <laughs> we'll, we'll wish that's all it was. All we have known for most of our lives here, for many of us, is peace and prosperity and contentment. And what we have to understand is God is calling us into the midst of the pain that is currently going on, not away from it. He's calling us into it. And this is so hard for me as a pastor and as someone who says, okay, well, you're responsible for the congregation, you're responsible for this community and these people, what's your message gonna be? What are you gonna put out there? Is to say, I want you to be wise and we're gonna take precautions, but I also want you to be a little dangerous and to go into the places and to not hoard things for yourself, but give away and trust that God will provide. And, and I want you, I don't want you to stop this is, our, this is the time to shine. In history, I did some research and spent some time yesterday. Every time there was a massive worldwide event, the Christian church grew exponential growth. Every time. Look at the Crusades. Look at the bubonic plagues. Look at the, the influenza virus that happened in the early century, 19th, 1900s. Every time the Christian church grows because it's people fall on their knees before God, repent, and say, okay, God, forgive us for where we've been. We're, use us. And I'm just worried about this time right now because I see so many brothers and sisters caught up in fear. Again, not wise understanding and being cautious, but complete fear. And we're not called to that. Not once are we called to that. We're not called to self-preserve even, unfortunately. You ever feel that way? Like, isn't there a different religion where I can preserve self a little more? There is, actually. There's a few of them. We have pamphlets outside you can take. There is. But he hasn't called us to that. And, and, some, and you're like, so now we actually have to we have to walk the talk. You hear me? For two months I've been preaching this and we've been talking about this and saying, the time is coming, the time is coming, the it's here, the time is here. Go look at the stores, go look at the shelves. The panic is here, fear is here, there is a very real virus here. It's here, it's time to do it, it's time to step out. It's time to be faithful. I talked in a video I sent out yesterday saying, as a church, one of the things we talked about as a pastoral staff this weekend is that we want to meet the physical needs of our congregation as well as the spiritual. And one of the ways we'll do that is by asking you and then providing, allocating our own funds to it that we have here to having the things that we are out of. And so if you have excess of any of the stuff that we're out of, toiletries and food and uh, canned goods and uh, Purell or anything that you have extras of, if you would bring it in here, bring it to this place and we will be a center where we can distribute it to the elderly, to people who were shut in, to people who couldn't get to the stores because they were working, to those who are now stuck without things and are fearful. We want to say, God, just like the early church did, what did they do? They met the physical need and then they would tell the person about their spiritual need for Christ. And we want to be able to do that as well. So if you have those things during the week, just come and drop them off here at the office. 
between 9 and 4, we'll be here, and then we'll begin disseminating them out and put the word out to uh, LifePoint congregants. We want to take care of those here that God has put in our family and then be able to extend past that. But that's, the, that's like the actual hands and feet of it. That's what it looks like to begin to say no to fear, say no to um, a message from the world that says we must self-preserve, we must do this, and say, no, we're going to be careful and cautious, we're going to be wise, but we're also going to go into where the sick are and the hurting are. Verse 34 of Daniel 4 says, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth, they're regarded as nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and my splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than I was before. So now I, here it is, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, what does he do? He humbles them. No longer does he demand his kingdom, does he? This is an edict to his kingdom. Chapter 4 is literally, picture it, an edict out to all of his kingdom. No longer does he say you must worship or you'll be torn limb from limb. No longer does he call it Daniel's God. What does he say? It's the most beautiful part of Daniel, in my opinion, at least this first section. He says, I praise and I exalt the king of heaven. I do. Here is why I do it. You must make a decision for yourself. Do you see that? Do you see that when you really fall in love with Christ, it's not totalitarianism. It's not you must do it or I'll kill you. It's, guys, this is what he has done. This is how powerful he is. I hope you'll choose him too. And he is able to humble the proud. With the humbling going on around us, we do have a choice to make. And this week, you have very real choices to make. Some may be made for us by the government. Some may be made for us by your jobs, telling you to stay home or work from home. There's going to be choices where you don't even get to make a choice in the coming weeks. You're just going to have to trust the Lord in a new way that maybe you've never had to trust Him. And you know what? Thank God for that. If you can look at this situation if you can look at the sickness, if, if you get the sickness, this is one thing I've been thinking about. Like, God, I may get this thing. I could get it, and it could be a, just a cold for me. I could get it. I could die and, and not see my children grow up, not get to finish the work here at the church that you've given me. This is a very real possibility. If I go out and I begin to love people and I go into the places where sick people are, And I had to ask myself, is he still worth it if that happens? Is he still worth it? Or would it be better for me to just hunker down in this season, stay safe, and once all this is passed, then I'll rise back up and I'll come back to my pulpit and I'll preach you all out of this word. Would that be better? 
Wouldn't you be proud to stand behind someone who did that? No. Neither would I. And so as we pray here today, I'm going to invite Joe out here. And we're going to pray together. And if you want to get on your knees, I'd advise it. That's where Nebuchadnezzar found the Lord. On his hands and knees, eating the grass of the field when all of a sudden God restored his sanity. But Pastor Bruce from Christ the Victor sent out this prayer and I want to follow this outline because this is beautiful as we pray together and I'll lead off and then just you spend time, if you're with somebody, spend time praying together. If you want to spread out and be by yourself. But I'm telling you, church, this is no time for pride. If you have any pride in you right now, God help you. God help me, please, Lord. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we come to you doing the best we can. Lord, first and foremost, we as a church, as your body, lift up the families who are affected by this virus right now. Even one death is too many, Lord. And there are thousands who are hurting and broken because their loved ones have passed. We pray for those families right now. Would you lift those families up? That they would find the peace that God's comfort would overwhelm them. That this would be the avenue that the Lord uses, that, that he would send somebody to them. That he would send somebody to them, one of his children, his sons and daughters, and that they would share the love of Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, for you will comfort them, Lord. Blessed are those who mourn. Secondly, we lift up the scientific and medical community. Those who stand on the front line looking for a cure, those who day in and day out or around the sickness and those who are sick, would you strengthen them, Lord? Lord, that community is notorious for choosing science and not looking at you. I pray, Lord God, that in the midst of their hopelessness or fear that they would turn and cry out to you, that you would answer them, Lord, that you would answer some of the most brilliant, educated minds as they cry out and ask you why. Would you be there and meet them, Father? pray, Father, for our political leaders, not just in America, but around the world. The weight of their country is on their shoulder. As they have the decisions to make, to keep things open or keep things closed, Father, help them. All of the men and women, Lord, they are in charge because you have allowed them to be in charge. And so help them in this time to make wise decisions. Father, let, let them know you. Lord, I just pray Nebuchadnezzar over them right now, God. That spirit, that humbling. Lord, what would happen if the world leaders turned to you and bowed their knees before you? Be with our leaders, Lord. Be with our president. Give wisdom and insight. 
speak truth, Lord. May they have eyes to see and ears to hear what you are showing them. And lastly, Lord, together we lift up and pray. And in Jesus' name, we rebuke a spirit of fear. First in the church, Lord. First in the church. If we have a spirit of fear that is living and, and in this place, in Jesus' name, be gone. You have no place here. Christ defeated you on the cross. Get out. If you're struggling with that spirit, you pray right now before the Lord. God, remove this spirit. I will not be bound by fear. I will not make decisions out of fear. I will use wisdom and caution, but not fear to drive my life. I will trust the Lord. I will cry out to him when I feel overwhelmed. And then, Lord, we pray for that same spirit that's attacking the minds and hearts of those who don't know you. It's just wreaking havoc in our town. God, show us what we can do. Make it very clear what we can do as a church and then as individuals. We need your guidance, Lord. We seek you. All of this is a gift, God. Every breath I draw, the building we stand in, it's a gift from you. I'm owed none of it. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. We worship you now. We worship you now. We're going to close in worship to the Lord, and we have prayer partners who will be up front. If you feel like getting within four feet of someone and having them pray over you, they're good people to do that with. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you don't know him like I've been talking about, but you want to, well, then come forward. This is, there is no better time than the present. Come forward. But would you stand with me as we close and we worship together?